Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto. Enjoy today's show. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto. I'm Ash Pennington. I'm joined today by Imran Laka, founder of Options Inside. Imran, welcome back to Real Vision. Hey, Ash. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to have you here. This is your first time on Real Vision Crypto, uh, but you've been on Real Vision before uh, talking about the traditional uh, capital markets uh, and trading. It's great to have you back here to do a conversation with us about crypto. Tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. So um, I do a thing once a week called Crypto Insight. Well, it's called Macro Insight. It's my subscription service where people who subscribe to my service, I run them through all the macro stories, what's going on, trade setups that I'm looking at. But I also do a crypto section where I talk about my own positioning in crypto markets, primarily in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, And I use options a lot. So I talk about option strategies that make sense to me and also run through crypto volatility analytics using Genesis Volatility uh, to give some insight into what the vol market is telling me with regards to implied vol, realized vol, skew, market positioning, flows, market material flows that have impact and what the smart money is doing basically in options. Perfect. So let's jump right in. Okay, great. Um, So this week, um, you know, if we look at the chart on Bitcoin, obviously the first thing I normally do is have a look at the technicals and see what they're, if they're speaking to me or anything like that. Um, Wasn't obviously a great week for crypto last week, but, you know, we had some decorrelation, uh, equities up 6%, crypto couldn't participate initially. Um, And and I put that down, that decorrelation down to a couple of things. Um, So we had some month end buying coming in in equities uh, that was fairly well flagged by a few of the big banks. Um, That kind of really kicked in on Thursday and took the S&P up 6% in short order. And crypto didn't participate because there wasn't really any month in buying in crypto. Um, on top of that, you had um, de-risking in the space. Obviously, the, the Luna Terra debacle that wiped out 50 billion worth of market cap is still lingering in people's minds. And, and people are just feeling a bit nervous and, and want to get out of the high risk part of the spectrum and go more into Bitcoin. So, so you're seeing the dominance of Bitcoin rising. Um, that, that metric went from like 39% at the start of the year to around 46% right now. So as that dominance is rising, it's effectively people saying we'd rather park our money in the safe asset, which is Bitcoin, and steer out of the altcoin space, which is a bit more risky, until the dust settles and we kind of know where we are. So we're seeing that flow. And then we also had a big expiry, right? We had a May options expiry, which had a fair amount of open interest in it. And often what you see is, the market really kind of struggles to move until after the big expiries get out of the way. And then it kind of frees the market up to start moving again, right? Because a lot of the systematic, a lot of the flows in the market are often selling options to the street. Uh, and that kind of has a bit of a pinning impact on the, on the market. And once those options go away, things are a bit free to move and, and do what they want to do. And we kind of saw that over the weekend, once that expiry moved away, 
we had a bit of a catch up move in Bitcoin in more in line with what equities have been doing. And we were up about 6%. Lots of important points there. And when you talk about uh, OPEX, you talk about this decoupling effect, you talk about the Bitcoin dominance uh, increasing. What are the common themes that you see here? Uh, obviously, we've seen, uh, as you say, this decoupling effect. Tell us a little bit about what you think that implies. Well, it's quite short term, right? So, you know, if you look at the kind of short term correlation, it was as high as like 90% between the NASDAQ and Bitcoin. And now, right. it's neg- and now it's negative over the last few days, right? So I don't believe that's a sea change. I don't think we're going to be in negative correlation for the foreseeable future. I just think you get pockets of time where there's something idiosyncratic happening to one of the asset classes and it's not happening to the other one. And this correlation has kind of dropped off a bit. I suspect that correlation will come back, um, whether it's through equities continuing to rally a bit more and, and, and crypto having a catch up move to the upside, or whether it's equity selling off and crypto continuing its down move. I mean, I do think they will recouple. I just think in the very short term, they've decoupled, right? Um, in terms of the technical side, the chart that I'm sharing with Bitcoin, you know, I look at Elliott Wave quite a lot to help guide me in terms of the scenarios that I see could happen. Um, and you know this this very violent drop down from four, 40k down to 25k was a classic third wave in my opinion right which is usually the most brutal most violent part of the wave okay so for people and who I, don't follow Elliott wave theory what's the significance of that uh, and why is it specifically relevant here so the the idea is that things move in waves right so you can find five wave sequences in impulsive moves and then you can find three wave sequences in corrective moves. That's the idea. So if we're in a trend, and let's say right now we're in a downtrend in Bitcoin, right? The idea is that the moves down are going to follow a five wave pattern and the bounces in the market, the corrections to that sell-off are going to happen in, in ABC three wave sequences, right? And you, and you find these, these repetitions of these internal waves that pop up time and time and again. So it's it's just it's a guide. It's not like it can predict exactly what's going to happen, but what it can do is help you map out some scenarios that could be possible. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right. So for me, when I see a really violent move to the downside, typically that that is what I'm I'm going to mark that as some kind of third wave within if if it's in the direction of the trend and that's down. Right. So that that move in Bitcoin that I was saying from 40k to 25 was in the direction of the downtrend that we've been in for quite some time, and it was a violent move, which says to me it's it's some sort of third wave. So what typically happens is you get a corrective bounce off that third wave, right? It may take, it may take the shape of an ABC three-wave sequence, which arguably, if we zoom in here, we kind of have had. We've had a bounce there, a drift back down, and then a final bounce back there. So we've kind of done enough to have an ABC correction in that sequence. Now, I was hoping for it to kind of touch 33K, maybe even pop its head back above there, and really get exhausted in that area towards 37k at which point i'd be 
licking my lips for a fifth wave down that would complete the five wave move basically right so that's the idea so i think we're in a corrective bounce from that third wave sell-off i think we're in that fourth wave bounce and i think once that gets exhausted i think it gets exhausted somewhere between 33k and 38k then i think the final impulse move down which will be a fifth wave of some kind will take us to the ultimate bottom that we will reach in this larger degree move down right so if i zoom out a bit you can see that you know this you had a big move down there in in may 21 you had a massive bounce there and then this move this trend down i'm seeing has potentially got legs towards that 20k area which i could see being an ultimate target for the sell off so that's how i'm letting the waves kind of guide me uh, and that's the kind of setup I'm looking at right now in Bitcoin. And what do the bars uh, at the levels, uh, those green bar levels represent? So they're just support and resistances that I mark out as 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 time evolves and, and I kind of look for levels of inflection and importance. And there's various ways to generate those levels, right? You can look at historical lows or highs, um, or you can look at Fibonacci confluence zones, right? So you can do... You can pick ranges that the market has, has, has carved out and do Fibonacci retracements. And if you get a cluster of Fibonacci levels around a certain price zone, then that, that typically tends to be an inflection area. And that, that's why I then tend to mark up as one of those horizontal lines, basically, right? So that's kind of, so some of those lines, like you, those lines need refreshing on a regular basis, kind of stay up to date with evolving price action. So that's my kind of thoughts on Bitcoin. Um, if we then move over to Ethereum, kind of see what that's been doing. Uh, it, it kind of had this, obviously, on that large move down, similar to when Bitcoin touched 25K, this touched 1,700. And it's actually managed to do it again last week. Now, that was pretty weak, right? The altcoins were getting hit quite hard. Ethereum was underperforming Bitcoin. Um, so things weren't looking great. And I think part of that is because I think there was some crowd, there was some crowded positioning parked in Ethereum that was basically trying to get exposure to the merge we're going to get more and more news on the merge. It's scheduled to happen sometime in August. There was a big developer meeting uh, on Friday that was basically, you know, going to give us some tell on whether that was going to happen on schedule or not. So people got a bit nervous. People kind of started exiting out of that trade that they've been parked in for a while. And, and, and we retested 1700, but we held it in pretty strong fashion. And, and, we, and what we got was what we call a bullish divergence, right? So a bullish divergence is where... You have prices retesting lows or making new lows, but you have momentum indicators such as RSI or things like that. This particular indicator I use is an adjusted version of the RSI, but it's similar in nature. When that can't make the same lows or new lows whilst the price is making those lows, that's what we call a bullish divergence. So when you get a bounce off that sort of level with a bullish divergence, that actually makes you feel a bit more bullish. That actually think makes you think we might get a slightly more sustainable bounce out of this thing because we've got that divergence. So that, that's, a, that's a positive sign for ETH. Um, if you look at the spread between ETH and Bitcoin, which is something that everyone tracks and you need to be aware of, um, that broke down quite a key support zone, which was 0 0.064. Um, and it tested down here close to this next level, which was around 0 0.06. And it's held that level, right? So that's got that's got some room to the downside still. If we zoom out again, and it's always good to zoom out to see where these levels are, right? A big picture. But if ETH wants to continue underperforming, which I think it probably will in a 
in a move down towards 20k on Bitcoin. I'd be surprised if Ethereum outperforms that, given the higher beta nature of it. I think it will go down. I think this ratio will probably go down. And the kind of levels that we need to be kind of being keep an eye on is 0.055, which is that old level, that old support zone, which we got to in kind of summer last year. And then below that, I've got, I've got, a, conf I've got a retracement level there at 0.048 from the entire rally from the lows made back in sort of December or sorry, Jan 21. So, so we've got some big levels there. Um, and if, to put it into some context, if Bitcoin was to get as low as 20K, then you know, getting to 0 0.05 on this, on this ratio would basically take Ethereum to 1,000, right? Which is a half, half from here, basically, right? So you've got to be open-minded to the idea that even though we've come off so much already, if Bitcoin's got legs to the downside still down to 20-odd K, where, where you'd like to think it's got quite a lot of support down there, we could well see Ethereum at 1,000. Right. So um, that's kind of how I'm sort of looking at it. I'm not saying that's what I'm gunning for, or what I'm shooting for, but that's certainly a scenario that I'm open minded to. And if we did get this little pop that I think we're going to get in Bitcoin into that zone 33 to 37, I will be putting on hedges in the option space to protect myself of that type of uh, move down. Hey, if you like this clip, be sure to check out the full interview and more only on realvision.com forward slash crypto. It's 100% free. Sign up now.